This is a Showbile podcast. Welcome into another episode of Bucks on Knox. This is episode 36 of the show. And uh, before we get into our topics here, we got to give a big shout out to the boys here for taking care of business last week and getting that episode out there for you. I just had a super busy week and couldn't make the recording session there on Thursday. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a good thing because in the end there, I probably need a little bit of time to recover from that Eagles Super Bowl loss. And then uh, the robbery, the judges uh, gave Volkanovsky there at UFC 284. So still slowly recovering from that. But uh, I think uh, before we get into anything else here today, is there anything you guys wanted to revisit from last week's episode that uh, I might have missed there, lads? I kind of want to get your thoughts on the uh, on the Volkanovsky. I don't want to like regurgitate it weeks later, but like that was a big thing. And uh, I want to give you the chance and the spotlight to kind of share your thoughts because you're the UFC guy and you missed uh, yeah. last week. Well, I mean, we were watching it on Discord together. Me, Stu, and a bunch of buddies were on Discord watching along. And I think all of us could have agreed that we thought Volkanovsky won that fight because even when Volkanovsky was uh, being held down against the cage there from Makachev. He was still throwing mad punches on the guy. He was even yelling at at uh, Makachev, telling him, like, is this all you got, man? Come on. And, like, Makachev had him held there, but he wasn't doing any damage. He wasn't scoring really any points in my eyes besides, you know, the ground control time. And uh, I thought Volkanovski won three out of the five rounds, and I thought for sure he was going to win, especially at the end there. I remember he was pounding on Makachev, and I remember watching along saying to Stu, another one, another one, another one, because you get throwing punches. I was like, another one. And I was like, that might have been the difference maker right there. Plus, the judges should like when a guy gets the crowd fired up. That should be a little bit of uh, influence of the judge, maybe a little bit. Like, I've seen it happen in the past. Really, it shouldn't be. It should be all about who won the fight. But uh, everything was, in my eyes, was pointing towards a Volkanovski win. And uh, he didn't get it. So I was fucking upset as fuck about that. And I saw the judge's scorecard. He had it like 49 to 46 or something, which is absolutely atrocious like if anything maybe it was a close fight so i could see a judge you know making a close call and it ends up going makachev's way i'd be okay with that but 49 to 46 or whatever the fuck it was like that is atrocious i don't even know what fight that guy was watching it wasn't like makachev's out there fucking dominating that was not the story at all so still upset about that because and even our buddy brandon he would have made 900 bucks on a fucking little uh parlay he put with yar rodriguez and uh, Volkanovski to win. So, fuck. That's so, my we, said that, that. <laughs> we said that last week, Ty, and the one take, like Stu and I were both in the same boat as you, where we thought uh, um, Volkanovski won three of the five rounds. I said I would have been okay if it was a split decision, Volkanovski wins, and like one judge saw it the other way, but two judges saw it um, like Volk's way. But all, like I thought it was clear. It wasn't like a robbery like the O'Malley victory i would say or the like a couple others that are like the patty pimblet like that was more of an egregious judge's decision yeah. but i did think it should have been split decision volkanovsky for the win as well I'm, I'm right with you yeah i the thing about the ufc judges is what we talked about last week is like like they always put it right before the card right like here's how the judges score the contest and we're like you know control doesn't just mean that you're on top if you're on top and you can't land any punches and you can't go for submissions, are you really in control? He wasn't it seems doing like the guy on the bottom is in punches. control, right? 
Yeah, that's what I'm and saying. And he was so even was like, putting on a show while he did it. He was punching Magachev in the face, yelling, yep. saying, is this all you got, man? Is this all you got? I thought you were fucking sick. And, the, and like, yep. the crowd, it was in Australia. The crowd was going absolutely bananas, man. It was like, yep. it should like uh, have been Volkanovski, man. Like, it's, even after the UFC has their pound-for-pound pound rankings, and Volkanovski's still number one after that fight. So does that mean that Dana White and these guys, still, they, they do they even think Volk yep. should have won that? I think that's what that means, right? It's just well, the that's, fucking that's a th- trash. Fucking that's like judges, a third party man. thing. Fix the judging that that pound for pound rankings, like a third party thing. And that's why everyone was waiting for those rankings to come out. Cause it's not like, cause if it was Dana and the UFC, you know, they would have like fallen on the shield and been like, put Makachev as number one pound for pound. Cause they can't just admit that their main event of a pay-per-view was a fucking robbery. But so like even the third party was like, Hey, fucking Volk won that fight. So we're leaving him at number one pound for pound. And I think he deserved it, man. Like like Stu and I said last week, he was going up the weight class. He was at every disadvantage in this fight, going against the Dagestani wrestling, uh, up a weight class. Like he, and he still fucking performed like that. He should be, he should have won that fight and he should be the pound for pound. And the one thing that resolved that we had was that you just, you got to run it back and then you hope Volk wins. And then you do it a third time. Cause I'd watch that two more times for sure. Oh, 100%. 100%. I'm trying to pull up here what the verdict MMA had because I always think they kind of they nail it when they're doing their judging. They kind of they have a, a page on Instagram, Twitter, and all that, and they review the fights and they put out their own judges' scorecards. And I would say like 95% of the time I agree with it. And um, trying to find it here. Uh, it might take me a second. I'll look it up later. But I, I'm pretty sure we looked it up earlier and they had, they had Volk. I don't know. Maybe, Stu, you can rip that up for me. And we can take a look we, at that. We can revisit that during the UFC talk too, because we got UFC on the schedule today, right, Ty? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I got picks later on. Yeah, we'll get into that later on. But uh, all right, yeah, we'll move on to today's topic set. And uh, one of the things we're going to be talking about is uh, something I'm sure DK and Stu are happy about, and that is the uh, Ryan O'Reilly trade. And then uh, we're also going to take a look at NHL trade deadline just in general. And uh, we'll also see what's happening in our fantasy hockey league. And then, as mentioned there, we'll get into UFC picks. And uh, we'll start with NHL at Ryan O'Reilly trade, as mentioned. And uh, fucking guys already made an impact on the team. He scored a Hattie against Buffalo. And uh, I imagine you guys are pretty excited about this. But uh, give me your thoughts. I said it last week. I said he would look really good on the Leafs. And then uh, and then it happened. And then the trade, I, I looked into it. And I actually love this trade. Um, Dubas doesn't do this for me often. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed with his work here. What's the, what's the cap like? Less than $2 million um against our cap that leaves room um with a little bit of salary juggling it leaves room for maybe another move for a defenseman and you can see like the effect like the first game i watched with um it was against montreal i believe on the saturday um with o'reilly in the lineup and i assumed that he was going to be centering the third line but then they had him on like in between marner and tavares which was not what i was expecting at all and and i thought right up from the jump i was like okay well this won't last but you see like how he just changes the line and you don't really realize until he's on your team like how effective of a player he is even if he's not the most skilled guy he's just gritty man he's like what really impressed me a lot of times was like a lot of like 50 50 pucks in the offensive zone and then maybe they'll like uh they'll like squirt out to an opposing player and they have an opportunity to clear it. And he's like right on the body, right on the stick immediately. And like keeping pucks in the zone, uh, like before they even make it close up towards the blue line. And a lot of like good work down low. And then he's always in the right spot. You saw obviously the hat trick against Buffalo. That was pretty impressive. So 
Um, he's like a workhorse for that line. He's a, and he's extra skill above like, uh, he adds something like totally different. He's a pretty unique player. And, um, and, uh, he works well on that line. I still don't know if it'll last just because when you get to the playoffs, like you kind of, I feel like you kind of want to roll three lines deep. One that was going to be my next question to you, Stu, which you're kind of answering right now is like, I love it. I love it on this line, right? You're giving Tavares a little bit of a break. He gets to play with Marner or whatever. You're boosting his confidence. He's getting that thing. But I think in the playoffs for him to have the most success and I'll get into Nola Chari because you, you covered O'Reilly and you said everything that I would say do brings a different element. I love it. The no visor also love to see that. That's just a fucking, just a throwback beauty kind of thing. But I think for success in the playoffs, I completely agree with you. I think you throw him on a third line, make that your shutdown line, put it out against the the other team's best line. And it just opens up more space for the Matthews line or the Tavares line or whatever. Right. And if you need some extra offense, you throw him out there on one of those two lines and he could definitely do it. Like, do you agree with that? Like playoff time? I think the best spot for him is third line center. Um, it depends on the situation. That's why I think like it might not last. I think if the line does, if that line does well, which I assume it will be, because it looks so good, like it just feels like everything's come together. They'll definitely, and the smart move would be to go into the playoffs starting with that line. But if they're just getting torn apart by like the Braden Point line, for example, I feel like putting O'Reilly off that line and putting him on a on, like to center his own line there as a shutdown line yep. uh, might be something that they'll uh, consider. Um, and then you kind of still have enough offense that you can st- like for that second line that you can still have two scary lines even with without without O'Reilly uh, on that Tavares Martin line. So I could I couldn't agree more with that, right? Like, so my thing is if it's working, obviously, like if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if going into playoffs, they're just kind of you know they're not shooting at this clip offensively, then I would love a third line with like you know the Ryan O'Reilly, Callie Yarncroak, and Achari as your shutdown line. And that's where I'm going to get into the Achari situation. Achari is apparently, according to Overdrive and like like Darren Drager, he said a lot of teams were very interested in bringing in Noel Achari. And my thing with him is that I'm not saying he goes out there and runs guys through the boards and he's this fucking absolute monster, but he also brings something completely different to the Leafs. And I don't know about you guys, but I always love a guy who, you know, when a defenseman's clearing the puck out of the zone and the camera goes to like, like to zoom out of the way. And all of a sudden you just see a guy like last second going to hit him. That's a Chari. He finishes every single hit, which is something that is silly as it sounds. The Leafs just don't have. And over a playoff series that wears on you. We've seen it with Jake Muzzin year in and year out that yeah. come playoff time. It's tough for him because guys take, runs at him. And I love that about Noah Chari. I think he is an underrated piece in this trade, as well as I'll give you the props to as soon as I brought up Ryan O'Reilly last week, you're like, that's a guy I could see easily like coming to the Leafs. He'd look good in the uh, Leafs Jersey. Great call by you. I love it. I love everything about it. I thought, I think my prediction was that he'd go to Colorado, but you with Toronto, that's an unbelievable prediction. But the la- uh, the last thing I'll say on this trade, because we'll get into uh, Sen's trade too. From the outside perspective, I know you're not a fan, Ty. What do you think of the Leafs adding Achari and O'Reilly? Like from the outside looking in, I think it's good additions. I don't know if it's you know enough to get them past some of those teams out there like Boston and Tampa and and whatnot. Like I think they might have needed to do a little more, but I don't know what more they could have done, right? So I think it's a good trade for the Leafs so far, but uh, uh, it's hard to say until fucking round one comes around, man. It's hard to say, but I think I think it was a good trade for the Leafs. I think he's a good leadership guy. You know, he's a a well you know proven player in the NHL. Like you say, he's got the no visor too. Like he's been around a long time. He's got that, that uh, experience, which is really good. He's won a Stanley Cup, which you know that experience is all good. But it kind of also reminds me of uh, 
You know, like they brought in Nick Felino a couple of years ago. They brought in Giordano Dude, they love a couple in years the captains, ago. Eh? They love bringing, they love in bringing the captains. these captains, right? And they think <laughs> it's going to get them past the first round, but I don't think that's what's going to get them there. They need, uh, you know, defense. So I think that piece you're talking about, Achari there, like that might have been uh, the, the sneaky part of that trade that's going to, you know, help them uh, get past the first round. But I just, uh, I don't know if it's going to be enough depending who they face in the, in the first round, right? Like I think they might need it to do a little more, but good trade. Good trade for him. Still, I mean, still time too. I don't think Riley, man. I think they're going to add a heavy defenseman, like a Luke Shen type. Like they're well, going to add a heavy defenseman. next question I had on here. Like, do you, you yeah. don't, I was going to say, do you think they're done making moves or are they, you I think, think they got something else big, up their sleeve? I don't know about yeah. you, Stu. I think they're done making big moves. I do think they're going to add like a number five, six defenseman that's like a heavier, like playing guy that can be out there and fucking, you know, lay the body. Cause I agree with you, Todd. I, I mean, I said this about the Raptors. I think the same thing for the Leafs. I think they, like, I just, <laughs> They don't have that Norris winning defenseman and they don't have that Vesna candidate goalie that's going to take him to the cup. And like, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago that every Stanley Cup winning team seems to have one of those or both of them. But at the same point, this, this O'Reilly Achari deal makes them better. And if they add a, a Luke Shen type, that's, that puts them even closer because their first two rounds they're going to have to go through is like, they're playing Tampa round one. That's already basically set in stone. And then round two is either going to be Carolina or Boston. Like that is a tough first two rounds, right? You're going to need to add a yeah. lot more to to get through both of those rounds. But I think their big moves are done. But I do think they're going to add a heavy defenseman. I don't know about you, Stu. What do you think? Um, I yeah, I think we're still a defenseman away from competing. And and if I'm being realistic, I still I think we're more than a Luke Shen. Um, away. Yeah, oh, for sure, we're a so, top four away. Yep. Yeah, that's what I mean. So I still like I'm still holding on to hope for 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 Chikrin, and I think Dubis understands that his job's on the line. He can't make the same mistake where everybody's like everybody's riding his wiener a little bit because of the O'Reilly trade, and then he thinks it's all it's all fucking sunshine from here on out because we're still not there realistically. Like I love the trade, I love the trade, and everybody says I think it, it's like uh, pretty common uh, a common opinion among everyone that like to get O'Reilly under 2 million against the cap and didn't even give up a lineup player. And the first round pick was what it was going to be like, uh, 24, uh, 23, 25, something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I think everybody agrees that it was like a work of art. Um, Oh yeah. But, um, it, it, it's just unfortunate that the team is, is that far behind. Like, um, and like there is Leafs fans there that will say, I'm I'm an idiot. And if we clip this, I guarantee you it would go on Instagram and people would say, uh, you're an idiot, buddy. Look at the standings. But we've seen the standings every single time they go to the playoffs. They're not there. Unfortunately, the standings uh, don't predict the future whatsoever. So now with this trade, I think a chicken like move, which I think is it's possible if, if Dubas is willing to uh, leverage his future assets a little bit, a chicken like move. I, I would admit that uh, we would now be a contender if you think about I- it. I just don't think, and I agree with you, because I, I think that's what we are away. We're a, I say top four. I think we're a top three <laughs> defenseman yeah. away and a goalie. That's my thing, too. Like, Samsonoff, I get he's been good, but Matt and Matt Murray's been in and out. But it's, he's, too, he's not, it's too far done. You can't get a goalie at this point, so this is what I'm saying. At this point, you have to go and hope you're one of the teams that get it. Yeah, well, we do. It's just whether, like... You said like assets? we would have a tw- yeah like I, yeah I would say like like we to get Chickren apparently and obviously don't I'm not an insider but the, apparently Drager and them are saying it's like two first round picks a top tier prospect and a player and I just don't know the two prospects that always get brought up are Nyes and Robertson I just don't know if they're that top tier prospect that is going to be like if you're 
bringing in a pool of offers. Like, of course, we have the two future first round picks. Like, of course we do. But also, I just don't think like Robertson or Nyes is that guy that Arizona is going to do. I think Nyes would do it with a first. I think Nyes would do it with a first plus and then maybe another pick. Um, yeah, they Nyes is first. really hyped up. I can't lie. Like, he, he's, he's like, He's a sought after. They're talking prospect. he might join the team. They're talking he might join the team for the playoffs. Exactly. Run. He's a fantastic player and he might be like he he might be a he's star a in the future. He, yep. You know what I'm saying? He's a big body. Like that's a piece that nobody would would be unfortunate to own. So like I think Nye's in a first. I, I'm pretty sure like that's just where it gets a little shaky. Like I don't think it's two first round picks. I doubt anybody's giving That's just what Drager and them are saying. Like that's I know. Me. Yeah. I just think that Chickren's gonna go. Um, I know we talked about this last week, but I'm still. Convinced. I still, I'm still holding out just because of like. I'm I have almost to certain stay. Chickren's I have to double gonna, down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm almost <laughs> certain Chickren's gonna go, and I'll be incredibly surprised if it's if if it's two first round picks going back the other way plus a nice level prospect. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that. I just yeah, don't think, think teams will pay it, especially at the deadline. Arizona's just racking up the offers. It seems like every single team's interested in this guy, and they're just going to take whatever best offer is there come trade deadline. Because you know Chitrin's been waiting like two years to get out of there. Like imagine that guy's day to day life just fucking wanting to leave. Dude, how- he gets they keep bringing him back, playing a mullet arena. But for Arizona, like two years straight, and there hasn't been one offer that you've been like, yeah, we're probably going to take it. Like there had to have been an offer that came across the table that was like good enough. You know what I mean? Like. I- I there has to be. It's just, been two years for that deadline, dude. They're just waiting until they rack up all the best offers. That's what I think they're doing. Oh, no, I get that, but they, ha- they were there last deadline in this now. off season. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's like it's not like he requested a trade six weeks ago. It's been like sixty. Like it's just weird. Like I yeah. feel like they've had to have had an offer that was like good enough to take, and they're just like, like you said, they're like, well, there's there's a deadline, so like people will pay. It's like I heard I they know, were man. really close. I heard they were really close with LA. I think LA didn't want to give up either Brant Clark or Quinton Byfield. Apparently Same with the, Ottawa, I, I with they wanted Byfield. either Pinto, they wanted either Pinto or Ridley Gregg, and that was like the deal break. We're not giving up those guys. Yeah, but you have to is imagine Ridley if Gregg you're that good. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's he's what up with the team thinking. now, right? He's played a few games, and he is that good man. Great two way forward. He's a pesky guy out there. He, he honestly, when he's on the ice, he looks like one of the best players on there. Like he does it all. He does Don't it all. He might not be Don't the most that. flashy dangler and all this shit, but uh, he's the kind of guy you need on like a third line or something like that, just to uh, you know, in the deep in the playoffs and things like that. He's the kind of guy you need on your team. I think once you see him play out there, you'll be like, oh fuck, that's what Ty was talking about. He's a good fucking player. He's not no, a fucking I, Timmy I Stutzel laugh. out there, but he's solid. <laughs> he's solid. Well, speaking <laughs> of getting better, Ty, I am assuming you think. With because you've been calling for it since the start of the season, you think the Senators got better getting rid of fucking Zaitsev, eh? <laughs> yeah, any team would get better by subtracting Zaitsev. That's a fucking fact. Uh, and, it's crazy because uh, they think had to give that, up like a third to get rid of him. Yeah, it was because his contract is horrendous. Like, what no, is he paying? Like five million a second, year or something. Was it a second story, Stu? Yeah, yeah. There was two picks. It was like a second and a fourth or something like that. It was like a oh second. God. Yeah, yeah, that's and what like, I was I think, saying. They're going to have to get rid of something to get rid of him because he's like... Yeah. But yeah. you have to do that because you got to sign Debrinkit. So once again, Chicago helping us out with signing Debrinkit there. They gave us Debrinkit, now they're <laughs> helping us sign him. So I love that. Thank you, Chicago. And uh, yeah, I'm just fucking really glad to see him go. And the next thing that needs to go is DJ Smith, man. That's fucking, like I said, the <laughs> rebuild's be- not complete until Zaitsev's gone, DJ's gone. And uh, we got to add a top four defenseman, which, uh, you know, part of moving Zaitsev too is... Uh, 
you know, might lead to, uh, you know, make it's making me think that the Sens got something up their sleeve there. Like Dorian's got something up his sleeve for this trade deadline, moving the Zaitsev out there. And I think we're going to look for a guy like maybe uh, like Chikrin, like you mentioned, or Uyghur. He's another guy from Ottawa, both guys from Ottawa. They'd probably love going to Ottawa to play. And then uh, Jeff Petrie, I heard Pittsburgh's willing to move that guy. And I, I really like Jeff Petrie, honestly. I watched him in Montreal in that cup run there. Solid defenseman. He could fit into a top four role. And he's a big guy. And uh, I like him. I've been saying for like a couple of years now, that's the kind of guy Ottawa needs. And then uh, also you got Eric Carlson out there. And I don't fucking like think he's going to come to Ottawa, but that would be the fucking dream come true story. But stories like that cost a lot of money. So I doubt that's going to happen. But I think we're looking at uh, bringing in a defenseman at this trade deadline. I don't know what the situation is with Talbot either. You might see him leaving Ottawa. I don't fucking know what's going on there. But uh, something's up uh, Dorian's sleeve moving Zaitsev out. Maybe it's just part of the Debrinket signing, but there's going to be something that happens. I'm excited. it's going to be off-season moves. For, oh, sorry, Stu. I'm, I'm going to go quickly here. It's going to be off-season moves for the Senators. Like, I know you say Jeff Petrie, and he is good, but he's 35 years old. So you don't want to, like, commit yeah. to him as your... I think the guy that, like, you brought him up. I think this off-season free agency comes around, they make a massive push for a Mackenzie Weaker. Like, I think that's the yeah. play. Yeah, well, you're right with, say, Jeff Petrie's old, too, because I think they want a player that not as just, like, a rental kind of thing. They want a guy that's going to be Grow here. with the boys. Yep. Yeah, grow with the boys. And Uyghur's the perfect guy. He's got like a six-year contract or whatever he signed in Calgary and thinks, you know, he's not really working out under uh, Suter's coaching style there. And I think it'd be a perfect fit. He's from Ottawa. I can't, you know, I, I, that'd be ideal. But that's also, like I said, maybe a little bit of wishful thinking there. Either way, that we're bringing in uh, something at this trade deadline, I think, or maybe at the offseason. Either way, it's going to be uh, exciting going into next year for sure. You guys notice, then, like, uh, uh, yeah, sorry, ahead, Ty. I was just going to say, you notice how even the Senators, a team that is just not, like, not on the playoff horizon here, even they're looking for a defenseman at, to add at the deadline. Like, oh, dude, the price for defenseman is, seems like, yeah. Yeah, is going to be steep. And there's going to be a lot of fucking bench rot, like, moves uh, well, where you see, um, I, I think at the deadline, you might see, like, some guys go for uh, what you might seem like a fucking way too big of a package everyone needs a defenseman right now uh four of the top seven and seven of the top 13 uh players on the tsn trade bait board are defensemen chikrin's on there jake mccabe gavrikov uh luke shen shane gossespierre cameron susie matthias ekholm carlson like dude the the trade bait board is just yeah, dump like dude, the trade bait board is littered yeah. with defensemen. And there's only so many teams, like, you know what I mean? Like they can only go to so many guys. Like, I'm assuming if you have a defenseman that you're looking to move right now, you're getting not like one or two offers, you're getting like seven. Cause like you say, everybody's yeah. looking for that defenseman to put them over the edge oh, yeah. this year. And yeah. these teams are gonna I wait went- until trade deadline before they just accept an offer. Like I don't see any of these guys like Chikrin, I don't see Uyghur moving any of them till deadline or the offseason because they're gonna rack up. Me too. And get that best offer because there's so many teams out there, like you said, looking for this piece. A defense. I don't know. I don't know if I, I I'm sounding like a total idiot here, but I wouldn't be surprised if if Luke Shen gets moved for uh, a second or more, second wow. round pick or more. Clip it. Like I think like third <laughs> probably makes sense if a team's willing to pay for it, but but if you see a second go for Luke Shen, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Carson Susie, you br- you brought him up. I, 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 that's a guy 
I would like to see in the Leafs even okay, more so, so than I was going to say the same thing. I watched a highlight tape of Carson Seuss because I'm not going to lie. I love watching the NHL, but outside of the Leafs and then getting uh, ties like like Sen's opinions, <laughs> I, like obviously, like I, I don't know if you guys have like can you like I haven't watched the tape on fucking Susie, but I watched this like like YouTube thing and heard people talking about him. And like you say, Stu, that's a guy. If you don't get Shen. Susie seems like a guy to fucking pick up and play. Dumba, I think, is going to cost too much, um, but he'd be another guy I'd love to see in a Leafs uniform. I said that last week as well. I think Dumba would be a good addition, but like you said, I, that Luke Shen for a second-round pick, because of the bidding war, that may happen. And I think he's, what, probably worth like a fourth or a fifth or something or a prospect that's not working out. But like, yeah, they might get a second or third-round pick for Luke Shen because of how much interest there is in a defenseman this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if and if... If the asking prices are too high and the Leafs are like willing to pull something last minute, I I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Hall is movable. You know what I mean? So like defensemen are of high demand right now, and like teams seem to be like like the chicken asking price is so huge, man. Like maybe it's yeah. worth it, but like two first round picks and a play in a in a get like a high level prospect, like just seems like such a huge package and like I don't know if they'll like. I don't know if they'll get it, but maybe it gets the wire and somebody. Just, it's because like, all that's all Arizona in. has to offer, man. Like they're down bad and they need to fucking get some picks. They need to like rebuild their whole fucking team. And like the only uh, asset they have to trade away is Chikrin. What else do they have? They well, they can offer. And the only reason why like, they need it's them, so big of an asking price be- back for that. Dude, they still and it's weird because like I'll get it. The Chikrin thing is it's weird because they've been rebuilding. I feel like for. 12 years in a row now. Entire life. They had a run there against, uh, I think they lost LA in like the fucking conference finals there. Like, was that 2011 or whenever LA won the cup? And uh, but, I remember, I think Antoine Vermat was on the team and shit. I was rooting for the yep. boys, the Arizona Coyotes <laughs> that year. But other than that, I think my entire life they've been shit. Well, Shane Doan was there when I was asking, a kid and he was all right. Go ahead. Chicken's sorry. asking price is so, uh, is so high because he's got next year too. Right, like he's a young guy. Yeah, he's got and next four, year, so four point like six or whatever he signed at yeah. is is, is yep. very fucking friendly for the level he is. Oh yeah. Speaking Absolutely. of that level, that fucking price range is like, is like, I mean, Zaitsev was making what like four and a half. Sharat uh, <laughs> now, who 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 got signed after this Detroit episode, I don't want to talk about Zaitsev ever again. All right. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but like, dude, Detroit's going to be in a similar position next year, or the year after. I think they've got like. Sherratt's not young, and he, and they signed him for like four years at like four point seven or four point six or something like that. Um, I don't know the exact number, but it's in the fours. And I yep, saw 4. some 7. guy. Four point seven five. Yeah, I saw some guy put together a video. He went into like the uh, um, analytics a little bit and put together like game score trends. And I guess at the very start of the season, Mo Sider was uh, paired with with uh, Ben Sherratt. Mm-hmm. And everybody remembers the slow start Mo Sider had, and then they they took fucking uh, Sherrod, gave him a new pairing, um, Ronick, Philip Ronick. Yeah, and you and then they okay, so he showed Sider's trends. He showed the they pinpointed the exact date that they switched the pairings, <laughs> and fucking the line graph goes like to the moon for Sider, and he's back to looking like a top fifteen guy now. And then. Um, yeah. And a top 15 defenseman, specifically. And then, who was it? Um, yeah, Hronik. His fucking, his fucking graph went right down in the fucking, right down to hell, pretty much. Like, it was like, 
it was pretty it was pretty outrageous and i don't know what uh what's the plus minus here i'll pull it up quick i wonder what charat's plus minus is this year well and and so when i went to the game and this is just to say like i just because i put eyes on that pairing it was charat and cider and cider looks so good but charat looked like a number four defenseman like it was really like weird exactly where it was like man he got a big contract for a guy who's looks like he does you know and he played a few games in montreal though that cup run they made he was was, yeah that's why jeff petrie man those yeah that's why that's what solidified his value like that's how he got that deal pretty much you know what i'm saying it makes but it's like wow like all you need is one thing like that and all, all of a sudden Gary you're like because now good too though a little bit <laughs> I think Gary yeah, exactly. made him look, <laughs> look but he was playing with Oli Mata a couple games too and that was the worst pairing of all Oli like that that like I don't even know the stat he was looking at but it was pretty much just describing as like that's probably one of the worst pairings in the league this year um I will say yeah, Detroit's so not okay only, for cap though Detroit is is and because they're losing Bertuzzi and Larkin off the books next year, I think they have like twenty million in cap or something. I mean, if they don't because resign, of the LTIR. Bertuzzi will be gone, I think. But but uh, who knows anything okay. about Larkin? Larkin like, apparently was talking like they, they there was heavy talks because I'm right across the border. Steve so you get there. Some, I think he can work something now. He did the same thing with Stamkos now in uh, Tampa. Well, all of a sudden, though, dude, this is the thing: is like GM, living man. out here, you get some of the Detroit like uh, broadcasts and stuff, right? And they were always talking about resign, resign, resign. They're in talks, and all of a sudden, like a couple of weeks ago, it flipped to be like, "Do we yeah. trade Dylan Larkin at the trade deadline?" It's like, oh, someone must have got some inside info where they're like, they're not even close. I do agree with you, Stu. I I think a captain of the team like that. I think it's just sexy to be like, we haven't won since I've been here. Like I'm a UFA for the first time. I just want to see what I get offered. Like I do think that's like a thing that's going on here, but I, I have all faith in the world that he'll be back. But yeah, Bertuzzi coming off the books, they get a couple other guys. Detroit's a team that's, I feel like is pretty close to the same place as Ottawa is right now, except they're probably yeah. one year, one to two years behind. Like they have that number Buffalo's one, like Cider's going to be sick. Buffalo's, Buffalo's even in Ottawa, the same boat too. We're kind of all in the same boat here. And yeah. I think, you know, all these teams are going to be really good at the same time. Like you can and see it's that. Wild. Buffalo, it's kind of scary for this division. Take that oh, in. Yeah, That's all the same division. Gross, dude. I feel like Florida's gonna end up being shit again. Like they're gonna be the shit. <laughs> I know. The fucking- and they don't have any even picks Mon- either. Even Montreal yeah. is kind of on the upswing a little bit, yep. depending on who, where they yeah. like, depending like if they get a good draft position to this. Year, like, who knows? Yeah, exactly. That's Bedard. what I'm saying. Imagine this division. Nothing. They have two chances in the lottery, dude. Montreal does because they they Florida gave them a first round pick for Ben Sherratt. And that's this year's first round pick. And Florida might not make the playoffs. They're going to have their I own know. chance. And they might mathematically have almost the most chance to get the first overall one, pick this year. Yo, yeah. Well, can you two. imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how much I would fucking Bedard. hate to see Bedard in Montreal, dude. I think so it's the best fit, upset. as weird as that I sounds. Do, I do, I do, I just too. think it's It like might be the best fit for like him and for hockey and all this, but I'm just saying, playing against the Habs, like, oh, I fucking hate it. I'm going to end up hating Bedard. I'm gonna end up. He's gonna be my least favorite player in the <laughs> league if he goes to Montreal or like he's not going to Toronto. But if it was end up in either of those teams, he'd end up being my least favorite player in the league because of how good he is. <laughs> yeah, it's like Gretzky said. You know, if they're booing you, they like you, kind of thing. It'd be one of those situations where I'd be booing it's them. A respect but like, yeah, thing when you get player. booed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for sure, and they don't I boo irrelevancy. Yeah, exactly. Justin well, Hall I see Jay Montreal Gardner. booing Timmy Stew all the time. <laughs> so actually, that's uh, I think I made a tweet on uh, my Sens Twitter account about that one time and picked up some traction for that one. 
Is it true? Or your you boy know, got booing up in the a guy rafters. for being. What's that? Your boy got up in the rafters. I saw from. Hell yeah, Chris Neal, baby. You talking Chris Neal? Yeah. Oh yeah, because that's he got his well, jersey. Yeah, retired, that was right? like last Some... weekend. Actually, that was I missed last yeah. week's episode, so I didn't even get to mention that. But yeah, Chris Neal's up in the rafters, man. I think I called that, or I didn't really call, but I was like, you know, if we're gonna put any tough guy into the stands, who would you put? And then you guys return me like, ah, you just want to talk about Chris Neal because that's uh, you know, I thought he was deserving of being up there forever. So I'm so glad to see that happen. I wish we could have fucking won that game though. That was a horseshit loss. But uh, stoked about that. Also stoked about the Sens getting new ownership. I uh, I wonder if Alfie and uh, Phillips and Neil and those guys get in uh, some way or another. I know Neil's going to be nowhere sit- close. Neil's made like seven million in his whole career. He doesn't have enough. To yeah, invest but they can in a still they, they can still be involved. Ryan Reynolds doesn't have enough to buy a hockey team, but he just Ryan, partnered Ryan up Reynolds with a group. Has- Dude, yeah, he's Ryan got more Reynolds money than Chris has Steele, more money than all three of those guys combined. Yes, but he does not have enough money to buy a hockey team. I'm just saying these guys no, but- can all partner up with a guy with deep pockets and fucking get involved with the organization to be part of that that uh, group that buys the team. And I've heard a lot of rumors about that being a thing. Dude, so don't be have surprised. You, heard you were down when I said Ryan Reynolds is interested. Well, apparently he's just he's just trying to get into the investor group. So apparently, like, there's a bidding war. And okay, let me. I don't know. Have you guys heard the report of how much? Before I say this, okay. So no, they're saying roughly like nine hundred million. Dude, we talked about this before, where I was like, I don't know how much a hockey team goes for because, like, think of the last one that was sold. Like, I couldn't think of it off the top of my head. I think the report was like it was like eight hundred and fifty million was the last offer. And it's a bidding war. Apparently, there's like seven investor groups that are in, are interested in in getting in on it. Like, will a hockey team go for a billion dollars? Like, I just can't. Oh yeah, see. Not, like well, not- see, I didn't know. I didn't know because it's like Almost. like football. Like football, Denver Broncos just went for like four point something billion. So I just assume like okay, so it's like football is the most expensive teams, then probably baseball, then probably basketball, and then hockey. So where does that? I think when I was talking about this before, I think I said it was like going to be like five or six hundred million. It might be a billion dollars, and Amazon, uh, Bezos yeah, well, might fucking buy the last, it. Like, the last yeah. team that sold in the NHL, I think, was the Pittsburgh Penguins for like, I think it was eight hundred fifty million, maybe nine hundred million or something like that. Yeah. So I think you're going to be seeing a price right around that, like right around the same yep. price range. And uh, I don't know if you heard the latest report, but Ryan Reynolds he teamed up with the Remington Group, which is, um, I think they they do buildings. They're like a real estate company or something like that in Toronto or Vaughn. I think is where they're based. He teamed up with them. And right now they're the betting favorites to buy the Ottawa Senators. So I think, you know, the, the, the NHL would want Ryan Reynolds to be involved. What is, Whatever group buys okay. Ottawa, they want Ryan Reynolds involved. It's great okay, for, but, for marketing the NHL and the team. Okay, There's even rumors that. they'll make a documentary about it. Like it just makes so, so much sense. And then that, if you get Chris Neal, Alfie and Phillips all in there too, it's great for the team as well. It's great for marketing. And I think you might see it happen. I was just about to say, like, I don't mean this as a disrespect thing, but like, what is other than a, a lot of followers on social media and, and name notoriety, like what is Ryan Reynolds bring to like the senator's organization? Cause they're already a massive fucking organization that has enough creating like, TV shows, mass- creating films, fucking uh, being on posters, fucking being at the game, drawing attention to it. Fucking so much, man. It makes more money. Makes more money. Gary Batman wants him to be involved in buying the sets. Hundred percent. Of course, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Whoever buys the sets, Ryan Reynolds is gonna be involved, guaranteed. You're gonna see so many Deadpool masks at the Sand at the Sands games when that happens. It just won't change like the on ice shit. That's the only thing. Like, if no, it was it's gonna uh, make your players a better. That's for a sure. Hard no, but it, but well, no. 
like right now they're, they're not moving their, their coaching right we should fire the coach right now we should have fired him fucking no. in november off season. There, there's gonna be you, yeah yeah you want exactly. a fresh voice for point, the off season yep you want the new owners to come in and decide what coach they want what gm they want they're gonna figure all that out so i mean there's gonna be oh, you think dorian's gone too what's that you think Delorean's gone too? Because that's the first time I've heard you say uh, "new coach, new new GM" with the new <laughs> ownership. Well, well, it's up to the it's up to the new owners. It's up to the new owners. They maybe they want to keep Dorian. Maybe they want to get rid of him. Maybe they want to keep prediction. PJ. I hope not. Maybe give me a did. prediction on on Dorian. Dorian's job security with new owners. Give me a give me a percentage off the top of your head. His trade deadline will will decide his fate. <laughs> his trade deadline will decide his fate. But, really. Uh, he, I would say uh, like DJ has like a ten percent chance of staying. Yep. I would say uh, Dorian's like fifty percent. Dude, oh no, no, maybe, maybe. Dorian's got to be higher. In the off season, you guys were saying like, dude, Dorian's a god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, was like six months that's, ago. That's true, right? He made some great trades. He brought in to break yep. it. But uh, even he after that, mistakes. I was like, you know, he, he he's even before. even in the off season, I was saying you got to fucking add a top four defenseman. That's the one piece we're missing. He still has not been able to do that. There's been questionable trades in the past. We traded away Gustafson for Talbot. We traded away uh, Zabanajad. That was like, I forget what we got in return. It was Gustafson and uh, Broussard or something. Like we got, like that was another bad trade by Dorian. There's been a few incredible trades where he's pulled something out of his ass and it was amazing. And there was also Dorian trades where it was like, wow, you just absolutely screwed us. Like, we, well, he didn't absolutely screw us, but you lost a really good player in that trade. So I'd say 50 50 is, is I did uh, think you know, this deadline, it'll change. Though. Sorry. I, I think his offseason was was unbelievable. Like, I, I, I didn't like the Drew yeah. thing. Like, I liked, like, I like it. Like, he's an older guy, Love but whatever. It. But the Debrinket was, was like where you're like, oh, wow. The Senators are really making moves, but then the one that I thought was going to pan out that obviously hasn't was the Cam Talbot man. Where I was like, "Holy fuck, yeah. Ottawa's really turning this around!" Like that's a good move to get Cam Talbot on top. Of all it of was this the stuff. same when we got Matt Murray, but it just hasn't same worked, thing. right? Like it just hasn't worked. No, same with Matt Murray. There's a fucking <laughs> and then we got Forsberg fucking blew both knees out the other game. So now we're down <laughs> the last couple of games we've been playing with rookie <laughs> yeah. goalies. I think Talbot's in net tonight, and we're losing currently. The game might be over now. Actually, yeah, the final was three nothing, and that was the Talbot and that I believe. So That's he's uh, that was no the first game scored. back from injury. So I mean, he's it's not looking good for him. His his future in Ottawa is not looking good. Uh, we'll move on, move along here though. We talked about the the Sands and Leafs a little bit there. Uh, another uh, trade that happened recently was Boston Bruins picked up Orlov and Hathaway, and you know they were scary before, but now they're just fucking lethal out there. Thoughts on that trade? Maybe we make this quick just so we can move on to our next topic here. But thoughts on that Orlov and Hathaway trade? I, I don't really have much on it. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Bruins just get better. You know what I'm saying? That, and it just puts us, as a, like as the Leafs, just that much further away. It's, and that okay. uh, awesome. a, a need for a defenseman uh, becomes yeah. that much greater. Well, and, and, like, you know, they added that forward, too, in that deal. It was, like, it was like Garnet Hathaway, I think, or is that who they yeah. traded yeah. away? Hathaway, yeah. So... Uh, Boston, yeah, they get better. But the one thing I, I will ask both of you guys, maybe I'll throw this to you, Ty, because um, Stu City didn't have a take on the trade. I found it, I find it weird that that Washington, like, if they're gonna sell, like, don't you have some loyalty to Ovi to be like, you know what, like, we gotta, we really just gotta make a push every year for Ovi because he's only got a certain amount yeah. of years left. He brought, us, I just, you know what I mean? Like, they got the Kuznetsov and Backstrom and John Carlson, and yeah. they got pieces there. And I just feel weird that they're selling. Like, did you find that a little yeah. bit like, oh, I didn't expect Washington as a seller? 
100%. It's almost like they're going down the rebuild route, and it's like that's the last thing Ovechkin wants to fucking hear. He's all about getting the Gretzky record, getting another Stanley yep. Cup. Like, he wants to win and win now. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see, if they do go the rebuild route, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Ovechkin his last season or his last couple seasons looking for a trade. It wouldn't surprise Dude, me. What would the they asking the price route. be on Ovi? That would be <laughs> wild. Imagine him going to the trade market. Like, it would be like, we want six first rounders, your best <laughs> six prospects. Like, his uh-huh. asking price would be wild. I would not be shocked if you see that in the next few years here before he retires. Like, probably not. Like, I wouldn't see it next year, maybe. But if they go that route, don't be surprised. I, I'd say it's 50-50 between you You see them sell like that, too. Like, where Ovi's going to be on the block as well with Backstrom and shit. Or they just make some, like... You see them this offseason where like they make some dumb signings to try to show Ovi, like, you know what I mean? Like they yeah. pay a guy way too much being like, they're gonna, got two, they're gonna. Left. That's exactly you what think the they're doing. Is. I think Orlov yep. was gone uh because dude, every I'm pretty sure every single one of their defensemen is a free agent this year. I'll check at the end now. of this year. I, I might be wrong, but let me know. But like that's pretty much the, the reasoning I think behind Orlov. There, it's just th- it's thrown in the towel this season. Then we have a shit ton of money to play with. Dude, in the holy fuck! I believe what they're the oldest team in the NHL, too. too. Right? Like, go ahead, DK. No, I just that is an imp- Did you hear that stat right before the fucking pod? What an impressive fucking thing! I just went on cap no, for I me and just it look like at it. A, right? I heard it like uh, I think I heard it a couple times, like in the last few weeks, but like. But yeah, man, like that. See, it's just, dude, going into the off season, I think that they're just gonna like. I think that's the plan because it's not like, uh, it's not like any of the core pieces are on the board. You know what I mean? They get ten they UFAs. Signed Kemper, going they signed into the Kemper last year. Like, it's not like I don't. I think it's just like throwing the towel. This season's done, and then like, just look forward to the off season. Hopefully, we can uh, spend our money well. And there's a bunch of cap space, like I said too. So there's there's uh. Two, three, four. There's eight. No, sorry. There's ten UFAs after this season for them. Two of their defensemen are RFAs, but there's ten unrestricted free agents for the fucking Washington Capitals at the end of the season. Wow. So they're gonna have. They're shedding like and all their know, guys 17, are signed. So they have some yep. like you know what I'm saying. They're they're going yep. into the off season like with a spend um, now kind of so most. maybe a little spend retooling and like they're in a good they're in a good spot them. like they're, they're going in with an advantage on most teams because they have more money than most teams they have their core locked up more like uh well better than most teams you know what i mean yep. so yep um yeah i'd say um i guess like if you're a caps fan like it's you like they're kind retooling, of not rebuilding it's kind of shitty. Yeah. It's kind of shitty, like for this season, obviously their situation. But like for next season, you're, you, I would almost be like excited. You know what I mean? But um, we'll have to message obviously Liam it could and go see wrong. What he's thinking he's a cash yeah, fan, I know, yeah, I know. He's it could go wrong though, because now you're now you're in the UFA market and you could like yeah. it's very easy to overpay for a guy and for like, a lot of guys. Yep. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you have to sign a whole fucking defensive lineup, then it yeah, could get dicey for the cappies. Like, yeah. We'll see though. We'll any see, other though. Um, any other predictions for the trade deadline? I know you guys talked about Patty Kane there last week. Uh, Stewie J saying maybe he goes to LA or something like that. We also got maybe Timo LA, Meyer, but they don't Eric seem to Carlson. be in on it. They don't seem to be in no, on it. I, but I I just know that like Patrick Kane, the type of guy, and, and you know obviously uh, it's not like uh, secret information that he's picky about where he wants to go, and he deserves the right to have like a say. So. I'd say that LA would like kind of make a fit. And they've been in on the fucking Chikrin 
uh, chicken, uh, like sweepstakes a little bit. And, uh, they, they, I think they're currently still like the favorite to land them, but like, um, I understand their need for a defenseman, but like, it's not like LA's like set on up front. You know what I mean? Like they could, no, they could definitely use it if they want to make a playoff push. Like if they're so in for getting chicken, like, um, why not get Patty Kane? Like, why not make a move? Like, you think Patty Kane would want to go there though? Like, if they're that's what I'm, you know, of course kind of, would, dude. Oh, it's they're kind of competing in LA. to get in playoffs, and they're good. They, yeah, yeah, they're good. Right, they're going to make the playoffs okay. for sure. Like they're, they're Seattle, good. Yeah, they're Vegas, just, and Edmonton. Yeah. Okay, I'm just saying, like, it seems like possible. they they could use them, but like the thing is, is like similar to like the Leafs, but even more so. It's like L.A. is like one piece. Uh, well. Multiple, not really yes. similar to the Leafs, but they're one piece away on D. They're one piece away on. Uh, they're one piece in every they're single three category. Three pieces away. away total. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You're right. And they you're need right. a so they they almost need a goalie more than they need a need a Patty Kane. So I, I feel like maybe that's why they haven't really picked up the phone. But because I'm sure like they kind of understand that like if we were in for Patty Kane, like I'm sure he'd want to come here. I'm sure he wouldn't say no. So yeah, maybe Kane, maybe we Kane see just a wants surprise. To for a cup. He's got Dude, one thing I, in so, mind: is Stanley Cup. I said well, this last week, and I, I'm going to say it again. I got, I got the. I think Vegas is going to be in on one yep. of these three guys: Patrick Kane, Jacob Chikrin, or like a, actually four guys: Brock Besser, Matthias Ekholm, someone like that. Because Vegas has like eight million in cap space because of Stone being out right now, Carlson. or more. Uh, no, maybe no. Carlson, but I don't know, man. Like I just don't. <laughs> Carlson signed for like another four years, so I just don't know if he's as sexy as or three years after this one. So I don't know if he's as sexy of a deadline acquisition as he, as he is an off season. I feel like there's a lot of pieces that got to go. If I had to make a prediction today, I love Stu's LA prediction. I do think Patty Kane's going out west. I'm saying he goes to Vegas, and I just yeah. don't know what Vegas has to give because I mean we talked about this last week, Stu. They fucking given up everything to get everyone. It feels like, but still, mm-hmm. there's obviously something that could be done. They have something that fucking they could give up. I just see with the Vegas with this cap space, the owner always wants to win. They're making a splash this deadline. I feel like. Yeah, I like that take. I could totally see him going to Vegas or LA, honestly. And then you also got Timo Meyer out there, Eric Carlson, as we mentioned, Max Domi, John Klingberg, and a bunch of others, and gonna be an interesting deadline i think that's coming up like next week or something right it's a, a week March or so third, away think, right yep. so i'll definitely March be tuning third, yeah. in or uh, keeping an eye on the phone for all that but uh we'll move on here to uh fantasy hockey and have a little gander at the oh, box on oh, nux oh. uh standings there in our fantasy league and uh we currently have two of the three lads on the show here in a playoff position but uh the guy that was talking all that shit saying he's gonna win the title <laughs> not currently sitting in a playoff spot so uh, maybe we ask that guy first, Stewie J. Is it wraps or are you going on a little uh, Hamburglar run or what's the deal there? You're fucking, <laughs> what, 11th place? Um, uh, God, I'm pretty sure it's wraps, man. I can't lie. Oh, dude, it's wraps <laughs> all day. He's like 27 week, down. He mathematically week, out. I pretty much it's mathematically pretty close, out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm about, let's see, okay, I'm at 241. <laughs> 43 Eight. points behind, right? The thing, yeah, the thing is, is that all the guys I'm trying to catch just keep having monster weeks. No, don't you week. play that. You said no, no, you no, were no, a monster. No, you said no, you no, were no, going to win. Listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, obviously, uh, I fucking choked completely. But I'm saying, like, um, it's just keep... I'm not blaming my fucking failure on, the, on, on like, the other guys having monster weeks. I'm just saying it's disheartening for me when I'm trying to, like, fucking at least just scratch my way into the playoffs and the guys in in seven eight nine are fucking beating up fucking the boys above them at like 11 
Yeah, not me, but like they're like even when I had a good week, all three guys, seven, eight, nine, all had like eleven point weeks too. And I was like, wow, this is bullshit. So like uh so yeah, man, uh I'm pretty much done. So I don't know. Uh I'll 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 soak those chirps, but Fuck, I was going to say, this is one <laughs> and, that and I listen, looked... If I, let's say, if, they, if, the, if the playoff roster got expanded to 11 teams out of nowhere, I'm still confident. <laughs> don't. Don't. <laughs> don't. If, somehow, if somehow you were to give me a little play-in, like a uh, little play-in, like you're, you're going to be like... Uh, I guess I'm a commish. Should I change the rules right yeah, now? No, 11 still... teams. Yeah. <laughs> 11 teams get in. Um, yeah. No, the, the thing that I will say... Um, this actually got brought to my attention by a couple guys in the league that listened to the pod. Shout out the fellas. They were like, Uh-oh. Stewie was so confident in his team. I know, and bro. Eight or 10, <laughs> this guy was still like, boys, are you fucking serious? Don't worry about it. I'm winning the league. Do you guys not understand that? And me and Ty were both like, you know, we have to cheer against you now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so sitting here, and I, I know you're you're doing well as like too, Ty. Like I'm not I'm not taking anything away from your team whatsoever because you're in fourth. Buddy, right I beat you fifteen nothing before knuckles, you right? talk shit. Before you talk shit about them. Okay, but who's been in first wire to wire? Who was in first after yeah, week who one? Who's in first, first after nothing? Week? Who beat the guy in first fifteen nothing? I think you say this about the Leafs all the time. The regular season doesn't fucking matter. It's about what you do in playoffs, and my team is ready, and they want revenge. I've been sitting in the locker room giving every cliche to the boys, putting up bulletin board material (laughs) saying this motherfucker, 15-0. No, but I'm I'm saying this was – is this considered – from the outside looking in, and I called this from the beginning where I was like, I kind of like my team. And you guys were like, no, nah, for a categories league, like this is not a team to have. And I didn't know. I was like, yeah, you guys hey, are probably I right. Never Am I getting beginner's luck? That was all Stewie J. Don't fucking drag me into this, this one. You no, can't I consider this beginner's luck, I didn't like right? your team, but like, I don't know. I might have said you beginner's got, luck, maybe. You got, didn't you get Ekblad off the waiver wire? No, I drafted Ekblad. You drafted? Right? Okay, that was the other league then. But yeah, you're, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm just fucking depressed, man. Like, my team still doesn't... <laughs> like, I still look at my team, and I'm like, man, like, this isn't even a bad team. It's just, like, uh, in the draft, okay, in the GM. draft... Jokes, jokes, jokes. Dude, in, in the no, draft... just a horrid GM. This guy would get oh, fired. Buddy, all yeah. right, buddy. I'm uh, third place in the, in the league, and third place in the money league, buddy, and I won that one last year. I'm going to win it is again. Is that league titled the- Bucks on Nux League, or is that league a different... No, league? Fucking, this not- guy's talking about semi-relevant league now. Irrelevant, buddy. You're in it too. You're saying it's irrelevant yeah, I don't give because a shit you can't about fucking play every year. That's what we're here for. Box on you lose. Nuts. You lose box your fresh nuts, queen. Here for. You lose your fresh fucking Queen Elizabeth twenty dollar bill every Fuck, fucking year. Go win it back when Seattle makes the playoffs. Place. You come fucking fourteenth place. Every fucking year in the money league, the one that They'll counts be sending for the it back goal. when Seattle makes. This one counts because I have to face the shame on the fucking pod if I lose. You got to take it. The other one counts. Fucking. In the in the monetary category, you know what I'm saying. So, anyways, uh, I'm really sad because I, I was confident, but like Evan Bouchard underperformed and Mackenzie Weger underperformed big. And I remember going in the fucking draft and I was saying, "Watch what I was gonna watch. What I'm gonna do on D here. Watch what I'm gonna do on D here." And then I just got it just got completely fucking flipped on its head, and I wasn't able to do what I was like gassing up like on the live stream. Evan Bouchard, I was gonna do. that's one of the guys I dropped you take, like every other week in, uh, in that other league. Did you take uh, Miro Haskinen, Ty? Do you have him in the next league? I remember. No. Uh, oh, the no, Leafs just won. Leafs just won in overtime, by the way. But uh, let me tell you the my favorite thing from that live stream in the draft. Stu, it's like the 10th or 11th round. 
I want to say. Like, it's getting later in the draft, and Stu keep for like three rounds is like, you boys watch what I'm going to do late. I'm going to take a guy that's going to win me the fucking league. Oh, Drafts him and goes, Tanner Janot is going to win me this league. He's not even on <laughs> Stu's team anymore. I got draft or drop the free agency or whatever. And I'm Dude, like, but- I was sitting there, I was like, who the fuck is that? You're like, oh, you'll know by the end of the year. Yeah, it's but like, you have to yes. understand. You have to understand, though, like, you can't call me an idiot. This guy had 24 goals last year, 130 penalty minutes, which is a cat in this league. Um, and I'm pretty sure, if not the most hits in the league, uh, definitely top three, top five. But, so okay. this guy was an absolute league winner, like top, like he was a top 100 player um, for sure. I, actually, I can give you the fucking number right now. I drafted Chris Kreider in like the third round and it was like, dude, that's a good pick. And you were like, I don't know about that. That's early. I'm like, this guy had 50 rips in the show last year. Like, you didn't I know, give me credit I, I for just, Chris Kreider, but you're going to say you can't call me an idiot for thinking Tanner Janot was going to win you a league, the 11th round Chris pick? Kreider scored 52 goals, and you know what I'm saying? He's 31. And you still call me an idiot for picking him at that yeah, time, is what I'm saying. I still, don't think, I still don't think that was even a great pick at that point. He didn't, like, score... What is he? Well, how many goals does he have at this okay, point? Okay, if you're gonna say I can't call you an idiot for Tanner Janot after but you Tanner called Janot me an idiot, was a late round pick for a guy that scored 24 goals last year and had fucking the most hits. Tanner in the league. So was Kevin Fiala. So was Kevin Fiala <laughs> and Kevin, Kevin Fiala. Fiala was a great pick. Great pick. But I drafted him around the same time as Tanner Janot. Probably not. No, not not after. I promise you, it wasn't after. No, Tanner I said around Janot. the same time. Around, around. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. have the don't stats in front that, of me. But... I don't know if that's even true. I'm just saying that to pump my own tires, to be honest with you. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, <laughs> my lead was a shambles. More. I can't, yo, Tanner Janot, uh, I'm afraid, was turned out to, like, I don't know. That was a hyped-up pick, and I was really excited. And then so I was Evan Bouchard. Early, too. Dude, what? Evan Bouchard, I thought, was going to be a yeah, guy. You because got, I, you, he was supposed to be yeah, number one power play on Edmonton. I thought I was set. I thought Uyghur is a no-fail in Calgary. Uyghur's just irrelevant out there for some reason i don't get I know, it man i know i know and then so then i'm like resting on truba which like he's 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 done pretty well for me but like i'm resting on truba and dowdy now to carry the fucking weight and like not not quite happening just to wrap up the fantasy hockey league i will say i never had played categories before none of my boys had played categories before and i've gotten nothing but good reviews where guys are like they you know, like kind of like this categories it's league thick. it's a little it's bit sick. different I wouldn't play if I was doing one fantasy league and I had to pick, I would pick points over categories, but I do love the categories. Like, like it just brings a different element of like who you're going to pick up or who you're going to exactly. draft or why you're drafting them. And I really do like that element to it. It's got to be I more really well-rounded do. almost your team. Like yeah. you're not just building it all superstars. You're picking up this guy yeah. just for hits. You're picking up Rad Gudis to get your points, you know? Yeah, exactly. You, that's what I'm saying. When it gets to those weeks, you'll see in playoffs, boys, because I'm not going to be in here. But if you really dial it in playoffs, you'll see like it'll get to like Friday or Saturday. And then there's like a you need like a couple hits on a Sunday game. And you're like, fuck, I'm going to have to you're going to have to make some tough calls, boys. I'm just all I'm saying. You're going to have to be like, fuck, should I drop fucking should I drop Troy fucking, Terry for Rad Calgutis or something? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Am I going to have to do that right now? And then like hopefully I win the wheel league and Troy Terry's yeah. just not on waivers anyways is the trade deadline passed and yeah in, but in that's what I was just about to bring up so say, next boys, I'll year, sell the farm right now I'm no same thing is if it was a keeper league but like same thing is in the football league I want to implement a rule where like you have to make minimum one trade because I'm not gonna lie in this league I get a little bit uh annoyed with a- any league in fantasy this is not just this league is what I'm saying I hate people that draft the team and then just be like, yo, I'm I'm good. 
It's like the part of fun of being a fantasy thing is pretending you're a GM and fucking texting with a guy for like an hour and a half going back and yeah, forth, exactly, getting yeah. trade offers and making a trade. I always think in a fantasy league, there should be like a hard set rule of like, there should like, cool. If you don't want to work the waiver wire, you don't want to do free agency, but you have to make one trade a year to stay in the league. I don't think you I can think implement it in other, a league maybe. like this. It's easier to do in a cheaper league. Trades are hard to fucking league. make, man. Trades yeah, are hard they, to agree on. They are, Everybody like, loves their own player. And you're kind of, and it's based on predictions. After that, you know what I mean. So, like, a lot easier to drop someone and pick someone off of waivers than it is to make well, a trade. Like, I but in like my other league, like, there's been nothing but like there's been a ton of trades, and like I made a trade that was like Panarin for Kyle Connor, and like there's a deal where two guys that know hockey could sit in a room and be like, I don't fucking know, and yet and then you start doing the throwing out the cliches, right? Like as a GM, where you're like, I just needed to change the scenery, and now he's going to be good. Kyle Connor and Artemi Panarin might end up with like within five fantasy points of each other. Yeah, but it's a it, deal it, that, like... Exactly. That it's just fun well, to make, right? Like, it makes it's just fun to make, but it... Offers. Yes. Well, there's that both... I don't think either of them will fall off, but it's just, like... But in this type of league, though, it just, like, some unless you, like, needed goals and you have Panera and you want, like, Connor and your team just doesn't score enough, you, you get your enough assists, <laughs> but yeah. your team doesn't score enough, yeah. then it makes sense. But, like, realistically, the reason it doesn't work in this league is because it's, like, what is a guy like that going to give me that another like, like this guy won't you know what i'm saying so it's not even worth making that trade if you've already like got like a sentimental value based on your player because you've had him for a couple months i think a keeper league co- completely changes the fucking scenery but then it's hard because i don't want people uh, just like, tanking for first round picks and then it no no that's fine and... that's no that's fine like that's kind of like what it that's kind of like how it works you know what i mean but i'm saying like a keeper league like I don't. I don't know if like we keep every single person that was in this league in the league next year, right? So no chance, a, dude. There's a couple that don't set their so lineup. They're to, fucking gone. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's Stan, though, hey, eh? the guy that dropped Markstrom is like, in, like second, yeah, second Stan, place. I, credit to Strombaum. I, I I'll take back. <laughs> I did say at that time I went on a rant and then said Strombaums, don't worry, but I have no say in this. I'm not the commissioner of this league. So it was like I just went on a rant. I I, I took out my own cousin in a fucking rant saying you don't set your lineup you're fucking out so i i wasn't i wasn't having any prisoners um i think if you don't set your league or your sorry your lineup you're gone yeah, you're um out. and i agree i don't think you could force who's fart uh, trades but it, that's my cousin that's what i'm saying i, uh, can't, I already gone? had the run on him that said he's gone yeah. he's got to take a bus to sudbury yeah, and he's out absolute beauty love the guy <laughs> absolute gem but he was a guy that wanted to be in this league he was so excited and i tell this story all the time and he laughs where uh we had the draft one night he texts me the next night and says dude i'm so fired up for this draft and i just sent him three periods and then he fucking like he sent back to me holy fuck it was last night Guy was so fired up. He didn't even fucking, like, he was a day late for the draft and then stopped setting his lineup, and it was like... No way. Oh, and then he's like, well, what's the point? It's like, well, because, man. Keeper leagues, though, I want to get this take before we move on quickly. Keeper leagues, I fucking hate because I feel like you get into keeper league and they're like, oh, it's four keepers or five keepers. If we're going to do a a keeper league and I'm going to be in one, I want it to be, like, two keepers max. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say one. Two keepers. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I like the fact of going in the draft and it's like there's good players. When you start doing four or five keepers and now the first overall pick is like the 37th best player in fantasy, it's annoying. The way I would do it if it was a keeper league. Yep. See, that's why Ty Ty hates keeper leagues. I'm with you, Ty. And and it's hard to do it in our case because if we want to get if we want to like filter out like a few people every year and bring in like a couple new people every year, then you can't really do a keeper league. But if I'm doing a keeper league, um, the best way to do it realistically is is 
wherever you drafted a guy, so it really benefits you for um, making great late round picks. But if you let, let's say um, you draft a guy fifth round, if you decide to make that guy a keeper, then you lose your third round pick in the fucking draft. So you lose, you lose the round pick that was, yeah, you lose your pick that was two rounds um, before the pick that you picked the guy that you decided to keep. So if you picked, let's say fucking, if you picked like uh, Nazem Kadri in the fourth round and you want to keep Nazem Kadri on your team, you lose your second round pick in the next draft. So yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. And that also means that you can't keep anyone that you drafted. Like it's not possible um, for a keeper to be like a, a first or second round pick, which means the McDavid's and the Matthews, the McKinnon's and the McCars and the Foxes and stuff, they all get recycled and they're back in the draft every year. So it's like, um, realistically you're keeping like, it kind of, yeah, you're keeping like your young guys or your real, or your late round steals. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I guess then, in that case, then, it, might it, be our, it might be all the, it might be it encourages to be like, ah, okay, fine, but no, nah, I'd rather not, to be honest. <laughs> I'd rather just no, clean slate, that, new season, new fucking picks, start fresh. That's I, I, like. I agree with you, Ty. If I had to pick between the two, I'm going no keeper league all day. I played in one for yeah. years um, that didn't have that rule. I like that rule that you just explained, Stu. I really it's do. I think rule. that's fucking, I was going to say, I think that's good because my, my biggest that's thing is way like, better than like someone getting locked right, with McDavid forever. That would be stupid. Dude. You draft McDavid, like it's like McDavid's, uh, Matthews, whatever, and then you start thinking if you have like the seventh overall pick and that's your keeper, you're like, so those guys are. Just, if we play this league for twenty years, those guys are gonna have McDavid and Matthews for twenty yeah. because nobody else in the league. Like, what am I gonna trade? Fucking like like a Adam Fox and Nathan McKinnon for McDavid? Like, and I'm not yeah, gonna do that. So like, what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't. I hate the keeper league when there's more than if I was doing a keeper, like it would be two and you have to keep one forward and one defenseman or something like that. Like there'd have to be a rule, right? Like you can't just keep, you know, two goalies or two, like, you know, I I just feel like there If if box on Knox gets like a solid set of people, next year we're going to have new people in the league, right? Like, Oh dude, always fresh for box on Knox, fresh league, fresh draft. I feel like would be sick. Yeah. So (laughs) we'll definitely, uh, for now stick to the, uh, you know, new season clean slate kind of deal. Maybe down the road we add a little bit of a keeper league, but uh, not not uh, my vote. doesn't have my vote as of right now, that's for sure. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about hockey before we move on to UFC here? All right, all right. Well, fucking uh, at the start of the show, we were talking about that Volk versus Makachev. So what did I do? I go over here on Twitter, go to Verdict MMA page, take a look, and their pinned tweet right at the top is the Alex Volkanovsky. It says... Alex Volkanovsky defeated Islam Makachev on the verdict scorecard. He won fucking three rounds. Makachev won two, exactly like we said. Exactly how everyone watching fucking saw it, except the one crackhead judge they have in the UFC, the fucking idiot, whatever his name is. Don't even <laughs> want to give him credit for that. Maybe I should because he's fucking shouldn't be a fucking UFC judge. But what a joke, man. Everyone saw it the way we saw it. Volkanovsky won that fight. Brandon should have $900 in his pocket right now. We should have a lot of more money in our pockets right now, but uh, UFC judging's shit. But uh, that's all I'll say about that, and then we'll move on to uh, this week. Actually, you know what? I, I should recap last weekend there. Uh, I want to mention uh, that I kind of screwed up on bet stamp there. I was placing my picks, and I hit them all as singles when they were in when they were on uh, parlays. I think Stewie J took a look at that there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my bad on that. But I think on the overall cards picks, we were 7-4. and four, So still in the positives, and um, I guess – 
I don't know. You guys want to talk about uh, the Mike Malott fight? He's fighting this weekend, and he's kind of our boy there. Last time, I think it was like episode one on the pod or something like that. We called Mike Malott to get a KO, and uh, he went out there and got that KO. I think first round. And uh, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that fight? You think he does it again? Or yeah, I I do like uh, Mike Malott. I think that's one of our better clips that we've ever posted because it's like we start talking about his brother scoring a six oh, shootout yeah, goal, classic. and then Malott in the fight too. Um, He's a he's a weird guy. Like I think we, we were talking about this uh before the pod, and I'll get your guys' take before I deal with this fucking absolutely absurd cat that's ripping around my apartment right now. Um, <laughs> but I think if Dana White and the UFC is smart, which they usually are with promoting guys, um, I do think that uh, you should build Malad up. He's just young enough. There's not a lot of great Canadian talent in the UFC right now. I think he needs yep. to be your guy next time you come to Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver or wherever you go. I think he needs to be your guy that, you know, the Canadian fans can get behind. So I do think they're setting him up for a win. We talked about this pre-fight, Ty, about the odds on DraftKings. The His method of victory, the favorite method of victory is t- for him to win by KO. How do you see that fight going? I'm on the fence between a knockout or a submission, man. I think he gets the finish, but uh, I know he's incredible at grappling, and I think... Uh, you know, both these guys are really good on the feet. So I think most of the fight stays on the feet. And I think, you know, when I watched Lightning's fight before, he backs up a lot. So I think Mike Malott, you know, backs him up on the cage. And, uh, you know, if Lightning tries to push forward at all, Malott's got a ton of room to back up. And then let's say Lightning shoots for a takedown or something. I think Malott's got the advantage on the ground too. So either way, I think it's a, a Malott finish. I just haven't decided yet if it's going to be by KO or by submission. So keep an eye on bet stamp of what I actually do place on that. I'm leaning towards KO right now just because of his UFC, de- UFC debut there when he got that beautiful knockout there. and Fuck, remember when he wanted to? He was selling, he was licking the blood off his gloves and shit. What a fucking badass this guy is. Can't wait to watch that fight. I think that's the one I'm most excited for on this entire card. But uh, when it comes to this card too, it's kind of the same as last weekend where you got a whole bunch of guys making their UFC, de- uh, UFC debut. And uh, it's kind of hard to really pick who's going to win when you haven't watched the fighters fight a ton like i've seen a few of them on dana white's contender series and that but uh, that's kind of what i'm basing my picks off so maybe you uh tail these with a bit of caution this week but uh, as for picks this weekend i'm gonna go with a two-leg parlay of aliyev and mike malott both to win and then i'm also gonna add a bonus pick of mike malott to get the ko there or submission you'll see what i decide on on bet stamp but those are two picks and then i've also got the uh, canadian there jasmine uh jazz duvacious Tough name to pronounce right there, but I got her on the money line. She's an underdog, and she's a Canadian, and I always bet on my Canadians. So we got to go with that one. And then I also got uh, Andre Munez winning by submission. And then we've got one more parlay here, a two-leg of Sakai and Krylov. That one I would only put a little bit of lunch money on because I think both those fights will be really close. But uh, looking forward to seeing how these prospects in the UFC uh, do, really, because of a lot of them – first time fighting in the UFC and there's a lot of nerves that comes with that and a lot of excitement and I think we'll see a lot of knockouts and shit like that like if you just take a glance at the card it's like looks like kind of a boring card you don't know the names on it but that's because they're all new guys so uh, really looking forward to seeing uh, the future of the UFC this weekend and I'll put all the picks out on Betstamp and then also I'll put the entire cards picks on our Instagram and Twitter if you want to tail up but uh, unless you guys got any thoughts on UFC, I got one more question for you before we get into oh, final let, thoughts. Let, can I pose you a question about cards like this, Ty? Like this weekend? Yeah. Yes. So I always find the same thing that, that you you do, like where 
you know, sometimes you get a big pay-per-view card with a lot of big names. And um, because it takes so long to become a big name in the UFC, like they, you know, they fight more conservative. But sometimes these cards with guys making their debuts against guys who've only fought once or twice, it's like it's like every fight's a tryout to be the next yeah. guy. So guys are just, if you're a jujitsu guy, you're throwing 17 submissions out in a fight. If you're a boxer, you are throwing everything you have into every punch. Like, do you not find sometimes these cards, sometimes they don't deliver, obviously, but sometimes these are like some of the most entertaining cards to watch throughout yeah. the year. No, a thousand percent agree. Sometimes they're the best cards and they're usually free because, you know, you get all the big names and it's a pay-per-view. So at least, you know, mm-hmm. you can tune into this and you're probably going to see, like you said, a bunch of guys doing their professional tryout pretty much. Yep. And they're going to go out there looking for a big finish, looking for a highlight reel knockout or submission or something like that to, to make a name for themselves. Plus the other people on the card that uh, aren't making their UFC, de- uh, UFC debut. I don't know why I can't say that tonight. Uh, they're uh, <laughs> not ranked, most of them. There's only a couple of guys on the whole card that are ranked. So even the guys that have been in the UFC once or twice, they're still fighting they're trying to hold on. highlight reel kind of yep. to make a name for themselves too. So I think this card is going to be uh, a lot better than what it looks like on paper. And then next weekend, we got the John Jones uh, versus Gone fights. So, I mean, a couple of weekends in a row here where we're in for a lot of excitement, I think. And uh, we'll we'll take a look at that John Jones card next week on the pod. But uh, I have one more question for you guys for final thoughts, and that is uh, Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. That's happening tomorrow night, I believe. And uh, you guys got any predictions for that? Or uh, what are you thinking? Does Jake Paul knock another guy out? He's got that heavy right hand he keeps fucking laying people out with. What are you thinking? Okay, so I, I'm i obviously, and some people are complete opposite to me. I'm of the belief that these fights, like, I know, I know you've said it before, but then kind of walked it back where you're like, no, that's just, just kind of fucking around. Like, I don't think these fights are fixed by any means. Like, I think if he loses, he loses. I do think it's typical boxing, like we talked before, where he's picking against guys that he can win. Um, I do think, and I said this, I gained respect for him after he beat Woodley the first time, where I was like, oh, okay, like, he's, like, a real boxer. Like, he's got some skill, right? Like, I'm not saying he's a, a, you know, a golden glove champion-esque, but he's an entertaining guy, and he's an entertaining boxer. I think this one should give boxing fans if he wins it should give them that respect because Tommy Fury is actually trying to become that like golden glove boxer with the bloodline like I don't know how you see it but I just feel like like we talked about uh, you don't in boxing if you're the favorite you don't take fights that you think you're gonna lose or that you're gonna lose your team is really good at picking fights um I don't know much about Tommy Fury. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've watched the film on both these guys and have a prediction. If I had to make one though, like Jake Paul probably wins. I I don't know. Maybe it's a decision so that he gets to showcase his skills. Like, I don't know. Like what, what do you guys think? I'm going to let Stewie Jay go first because I'm honestly uh, kind of at a bit of a loss on this one, but uh, yeah, so am I. I'll I'll speak Uh, in the what do you call it when you think out thinking out loud? I'll think out loud when you come to me. But Stu J, what are you thinking? <laughs> I don't know. Realistically, if you're if you're a gambling man, the Jake Paul is the minus one twenty five favorite. Tommy Fury. So I guess yeah, Paul is the slight favorite. Um, okay. Well, if I I'm if I'm there. sorry, if I like okay, if I'm being honest, I too have not like done the fucking deep dive in the film. Yeah. But but uh, Tommy Fury to me. Looks like the quicker guy and the better technical boxer, but Jake Paul seems to. Jake Paul seems to that right fucking, hand, dude. I can't like it. It's just he something. Does have the right hand. Yeah, 
He does. I mean, that's he's exactly. quick and he's he's athletic and he's got a heavy. He's got some power, obviously. I, that could knock anybody out. I just still, don't know how good Fury is. Yeah, exactly. There's like, I, exactly. You don't know until you see them in the ring together. But like, if I'm looking at the highlights, like Tommy Fury to me does look like the like the more sound boxer, yep. uh, quicker, more reach. If I'm not mistaken, but um, yeah, Jake Paul. Like, I can't like. There's always something with every single one of his fights that just like makes me think like there's no like this is this is set up in a way. I'm not saying it's rigged, but there's like he's not gonna lose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree. It's not rigged. Like if it's rigged, and so has so is the start of every the first fifteen fights of every boxer's career. Then that's rigged, right? We talked about this pre-pod, like the Floyd Mayweather's first five opponents. If like they were shit too, like it was like is that rigged? Like no, but it. It's kind of like almost predetermined, like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So what do you think? Yeah, and you know Jake Paul's got a team watching film on these guys that he's gonna fight, and they're picking like the guys that he thinks he can beat. And at some point, you know, he's probably gonna lose to one of these guys. But he earned a lot of respect from me after winning that uh, as a fighter, not as a person. But he earned a lot of respect from me yeah. after beating Anderson Silva because I think. That was his toughest opponent so far. That's a guy that's been training in boxing. I've seen him knock people out in boxing. Like Woodley was in it. Like cool that he beat Woodley in in uh, boxing too. But that's a UFC guy who was like on a huge decline in the UFC. He was kicked out of the UFC. Like uh, scratched from the lineup because he was doing shit. He hadn't won a round in like three years or something like that. So yep, that's not as impressive as beating Anderson Silva. But he beat Anderson Silva in a in a close fight, and I think. Uh, Anderson Silva might be a tougher opponent than Tommy Fury, but I don't know a ton about Tommy Fury, so maybe I'm wrong by saying that. But I think My- uh, even if if I'm betting on it, I, I always make plus money bets, so I'd be putting a little bit of lunch money on Tommy Fury, even though I've said that. But I'm probably not betting at all on this fight because, like you said, I think uh, it's slightly rigged in the, in the sense that they probably watched a ton of tape on this guy. They've selected his opponent. Don't say, that sounds like good preparation, not rigged. Like you know what, what I mean? mean? Like that's the one thing. Like when you're like you're like, oh, he's got good preparation. His coaches have watched well, film. Like that's fights. what a that's what a fighter does, right? Yeah, but so does so does people in the UFC too. Like and so does unless you're the champion, really. like you the, get to the pick UFC your fights lines or like, fights up for you. I don't. UFC like, is different. Sorry, you're right. Boxing, boxing, which is what he's doing. The one thing that I always hate with with the Jake Paul thing, they're like his coaches are are watching film and they're whatever. And it's like you mean doing their job. Like yeah. this is what they're supposed to do. Well, that's what I mean. He's probably got. No, I'm saying he has yeah. a great team, and they're probably yep. constantly looking at opponents that he can beat, and yep. then they're going out and offering them big fucking dollars to fight him. Yep. So in no, Tommy Fury's the next that. guy in the line, but I think Tommy Fury, I don't know if he's as good as Anderson Silva at boxing. That's my only thing. And he beat Anderson. Paul beat Anderson Silva. I think so he's thought it was, like Anderson. Anderson Silva is just uh, like getting old, old at this point. Yeah, I think. I think. The, like the, I don't know. My it's take a good on it. Good matchup. Everything I've seen is Tommy Fury to me looks like better technically. Like he looks. Um, and when More I say that, I mean sound. like. Yeah. No. No. Not even dude. like. He's, when I say that, I mean like Fury, he looks. I love that. Guy. He looks bouncier, he looks quicker, he throws quicker, and he, he looks like uh, more of a natural athlete than Jake Paul does. But Jake Paul, but he doesn't hit hard. Uh, Tommy Fury specifically, yeah. he doesn't hit hard. Like everything just looks like he's trying to throw like combos and they're just like taps. You know what I mean? Like I don't think he's going to knock Jake Paul out. I can almost guarantee it. No, but I think Jake Paul can knock out, knock out Tommy, Tommy Fury. Fury. 
And I was going to say either. Sorry, and, go ahead, Steve. <laughs> I'm fucking. Sorry, jumping. sorry, sorry. And Tommy, Tommy Fury will get hit too. Like you know what I'm saying? Like yep. he's not like a fucking like there. I think the line is pretty good. I think Jake Paul is probably like. Uh, I think Jake Paul is probably like, like the slight favorite. So For I don't, sure. and I don't even know if it's worth betting on Tommy Fury. So, um, but like I uh, think it either I, goes I really Tommy Fury decision. Or it's a Jake Paul right hand fucking knocks yep. him cold out, just like you've seen in the last fucking uh, you know Askren fight, the Woodley fights, and so on. I, and I, I don't even know if it's gonna go Fury decision, like just because, dude. Like I can't even, even if it goes see decision. Like, they're probably gonna fucking I be like Jake Paul Fury wins. I know Fury. I know Fury's gonna get hurt, but I don't like. I'm gonna have to do some film, but like, has does Fury win by like? Has he ever had a clean KO like Jake Paul has? No, but I think it? he's. I think he's got a lot. Like I watched, like this little highlight tape. Like it was during the uh, Joe Rogan Dave Portnoy podcast, and they kind of watched like a little bit of Tommy Fury, and he did look like you said, Stu. I thought like his his combinations look cleaner. Like the way you said, like one of those things where uh, when you say technically sound and, and and you shook shook it off, like I think you're right. He just looks more comfortable. Like he looks like a boxer. Like you know what I mean when you can't describe yeah, what yeah, yeah. it exactly. is. Same but like it, the story it, it's just Silva. something. Well, that's yeah. exactly, was, exactly what you're he saying. He was a more sound yep. boxer. He's more, nah, more skilled. At, Silva stands so. like Silva still has that I MMA mean, stance. I mean. like, yeah, he stands like yep. up. He stands straight up more, and he's kind of like throwing from his, Fury, from his back. I feel like a boxer always looks like like you know how they always show like the clips of the boxers and they're skipping rope. And then they're yeah. in the ring, and that's what it looks like. They're so light on their feet, and they're moving, and they're tucked, yeah. and it looks like there's no way you could hit them. And like just those quick punches, like and I don't know, like I said, I don't know what it is, but he looks like a boxer that he's been doing it for a long time. My thing with Jake Paul, um, and you said it, you said it like kind of very good, Ty, is that people can't separate, you know, Jake Paul the person from Jake Paul the boxer. You can you can respect Jake Paul as a boxer or athlete or whatever the fuck you want to call him without having to respect him as a as a person and that's why people like get this whole thing where it's like it's all rigged and whatever i get it he's a shit guy but like so is mcgregor like people still like you know (laughs) mcgregor's punching old dudes at bars and like you know what i mean like they're not good guys but like i still still respect what they do in an octagon yeah i still root for mcgregor when he's fighting a lot of the times just because he's Irish. me too like i want to see him win and get on the mic right yeah yeah exactly right just to any fuck you I don't want to get into McGregor today, but I mean, imagine if he makes a big comeback in this, uh, the ultimate fighter there, he's going to be fighting Chandler. I think we were predicting this months ago on the podcast. Such a bad fight, dude. Such a bad, me and you both were like, that is a murder's row for McGregor. Like, I think it's, yeah, I think, but I mean, yeah, I agree. It's going to be a Chandler win. I I would think I want to watch it. Yeah. The the whole show going up to it too. They're go, both going to have their teams fighting against each other and shit. Like the whole Ultimate yep. Fighter camps, they, they they do for that. But they're not That's fighting on be- that card, dude. They're not because it's a free card, so they're not fighting at the during the Ultimate Fighter finale. So like they're on like the next pay per view or something like that, right? Oh, okay. Um. Yeah. That I makes saw sense, because yeah. well, it makes sense. Yeah. Right. Because you got to have McGregor as a pay per view. But me and oh. you, I felt like made a plan. I listened back to this the other day, and I thought me and Ty could be who's like Sean Shelby and whoever else that do the matchmaking the UFC. We were like. You know what you do with McGregor is you bring him back and you let him fight Holloway first. And win or lose, yeah. that's fine. But then he goes against Masvidal. And then you think, you know what? Win or lose, which he probably is going to win that one. You bring Nate Diaz back and you go the trilogy, Diaz versus McGregor, yep. and they both walk away to the sunlight. I still think that's a better career route than fucking Michael Chandler. Like I think Michael Chandler oh, is Chandler. going to eat this fucking guy. Like He's going to oh, murder McGregor. 
And then and then Chandler will be the next big fucking guy in the UFC, beat yep. fucking McGregor in this, and he's like the coach of the ultimate fighter. He's gonna be the next hype man in the UFC. Yep. He's a, he's electric to watch fight. Remember that fucking head kick he threw on Ferguson, and then that fight against Poirier was the fight of the year. And he was and winning that fight, I would say. Yep. I saw what Chandler did against Poirier. He was winning that fight until the end. I think I can't remember how it ended if he got submitted. I think he got choked out. I think Poirier worked his way to the back and choked him out or something like that, and he tapped. I have to rewatch it again, but I remember it being the fight of the year. The guys were bleeding all over the fucking place. But in that fight, I thought Chandler was going to win until the last couple moments. And just seeing how fucking much of a, like, how dominant Poirier was against McGregor. The fact that Chandler was almost beating Poirier makes me fucking scared for McGregor against Chandler, dude. Chandler's, I think, going to just wrestle him down and, and beat the living shit out of him. But then well, again, I haven't seen McGregor in a long time. I know he's been training hard. He's a lot bigger than uh, he was last time I saw him fighting. And uh, who knows what the fuck he's got up his sleeve. And McGregor, so as you've I seen make him this, do the, the Mystic Mac shit, dude. I know, I'd but can I... See, I'd can love I, to see it come back. Can I call on a on a Jamie moment for Stu here? As I'm making this point, Stu, can you look up the last Conor McGregor win if you got an extra screen there? So this Cowboy. is my thing with McGregor. Cowboy. Yes, I know, but Cowboy. what year... No, I just meant like what year. I meant like... Because it's like actually a lot longer than people think, right? That is like four, almost five years ago that his last right. win in and combat sports losses, happened. Right? Where it's like, like that's what I mean. Like, that's why I like Khabib. mine and yours better. That's why I like no, he, mine and yours. This is two losses no. since that, maybe both against Poirier. Yeah. I don't even know Poirier and any and Mayweather. He lost. I mean, I get that doesn't True. count. I just, I just, but you know what I mean. Like, I get that doesn't count, but like whatever. It might have been before like, it Cowboy just, too, though. I think that was before Cowboy. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When was like, it? Too? Since Cowboy, yeah, he hasn't won a fucking. It's only day. he lost two to Poirier since since Cowboy. But what year was Cowboy? Yeah. Twenty nineteen. Uh, January twenty twenty. January of 2020. So it's been it's been more than two or three, sorry, calendar years since the last McGregor win. That's why I liked mine and your career path for him a lot more because it's like, yeah, I mean, like I get like That's think about sense. Michael Chandler's like last three years where he's been fucking beating the who's who of the UFC and McGregor's lost to fucking everybody hasn't had a win in that fucking time span of the last three years and now he's getting this fight. Like I just felt like it would have been better to watch the Holloway rematch. The Masvidal for the fucking BMF belt or something stupid like that. I was even saying give him Fer- give him Ferguson. You yeah. guys washed yeah. up too. Like give him an easy like win just to better. just to get some confidence back, and then yep. throw him against a uh, Diaz for the trilogy or like someone yep. someone agree. a bit better, and then you know ride off into the sunset with the Diaz trilogy or something like that, or I maybe have that big more. super fight at the end with with uh, maybe then do the Chandler fight. But I still even think. Like, you know what I think is going to happen? He's going to lose to Chandler, and he's going to be fucking upset as fuck, and he's going to be saying in the ring, this isn't over. I'm going to be – he's going to be fighting until he's 40 years old and just keep losing and losing like <laughs> Ferguson has. Ferguson's all like, fucking washed up now, and it's it's sad to see because he used to be a title contender guy. I think he was well, the champ the thing, at one point. Uh, well, he was the interim champ, and then, like, him and Khabib was supposed to fight, but regardless – Regardless, um, the thing with McGregor is – and you, you could say this from watching UFC for years, Ty. The thing on the mic – pre and post fight press conference where you're acting like you're the baddest guy on the planet works when you're winning. When you haven't yeah. had a win in three, if you lose the Chandler, let's say his next fights four calendar years since he's had a win that, that, that stuff on the mic doesn't necessarily like, well, work. he's kind of all fucked up too, man. Like even uh, the first Poirier Lots versus McGregor for fight. fucking McGregor. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is, but he, he showed up with his head shaved 
and he was being all nice. He wasn't talking one thing of shit. He's like, oh yeah, fucking, we'll donate to your charity, Poirier, and this and that. He's being all nice. And I and was like, what the, the fight. who the fuck is this guy? And then your he lost, and then DMs. <laughs> I think that was after the, the he lost the first after, fight, yeah. and then I think he came back a little more kind of chirping, and then he lost well, that fight too, and that's when he was going all bad guy again. Oh, my yeah. wife's in my DMs, and all that. This was such a good over line, though. That. Like I did love that. I love that he's laying oh. there with a broken leg, and he's like, your wife's in my fucking DMs. Like this, that's such that's such why people line. like. Yeah, yeah. McGregor's yeah. an entertainer, man, and. uh you got to give him that, like you say, even if you disrespect oh, sure. him as a guy, you got to respect him for being a, a fucking showman because he's the best showman the UFC's ever had. And uh, you should be in the fucking showman hall of fame. Actually, he's in the hall of fame it, either way. Him and Chael Sonnen yeah, should be in the mic, on the mic, if you, like, you know what I mean? The promo cutting yeah. like hall of fame because Chael Sonnen did it first and everyone always hated Chael yeah. Sonnen, but it's like, look at the fights that Chael Sonnen gets because he's entertaining and everyone wants yep. to hear what he says afterwards, right? Like makes money, yeah, man. He fucking makes Sonnen's money. famous yeah. quote that I always love the most is he's fighting Silva for the second time going to Brazil. And he says to Silva, like your wife's going to make me a steak medium rare and I'm going to pat her on the ass <laughs> as she fucking gives it to me or something. Like it was fucking such a weird, like good line where it's like he, he paved the way for McGregor and McGregor yeah. like, took it to the next level it made it like yeah. so good right that's how i found out about mcgregor and like honestly that's what got me into ufc was hearing mcgregor's fucking press conferences who's this guy talking all this shit i watch him fight he wins the belt he wins another belt i'm like holy fuck this is electric and i was following pretty much just mcgregor when i started getting into ufc like a few years that back. was me and then since that i've been watching every weekend like fuck dude me. i was the same way <laughs> because it was when he was fighting aldo and then, like, I had a buddy, like, this was at St. Lawrence Coast. So this is in 2015 or 16 when he fought Aldo and knocked him out in 13 seconds. And my buddy's like, yeah. dude, there's this Irish guy, and you have to listen to him. So he showed me all, like, yeah. the press conferences because they went on, like, a year-long media tour. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And He's then they're showing him in the yeah. showing him in the dressing room doing this practice punch. And in 13 seconds, he went out and knocked out Jose Aldo. And then it was like, I was hooked from there. I was like. I need to With watch every punch. second of this yeah. guy's career. Like, I was like, I need to do it. Oh, and that's that's why he's such a fucking household name. You know, that's why everyone knows him because of that. But uh, like you said, when you're losing, this shit talk doesn't fucking work so well. So I, I'm fly wondering how he approaches the ultimate fighter here. And that uh, I'm really uh, excited to watch. I can be tuning in for that for sure. But uh, we got carried away with the McGregor there. I was saying, you know, let's fucking uh, – not get too into the McGregor, but there we go. We got That's my fault. Into it. That's my fault. I love it. <laughs> no, no, fucking, I don't mind at all. I could fucking talk about this shit all day, but uh, we are going a little long here. So unless you guys got final thoughts, we'll just wrap it up. Uh, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here, boys? Listen here oh, close. Good. This fucking Toronto Maple Leafs are making another move for a good top six defenseman, and we are going to win the first round against Tampa and fucking go seven games against Boston in round two, and it's a coin flip. Put your money on it now. I think the Leafs are winning two rounds this year. That's wow. my final thoughts. I don't want any fucking backlash about it. <laughs> Clip it. Throw it out there. Leafs wins two rounds this year, and I fucking hate the Leafs, obviously. I said they're 13th best team. I love them, but I hate them, and I love to hate them, but they're winning two rounds. Final thought, that's mine. Yeah, I've never heard win of thought two like rounds that from a Leafs or, fan or before. <laughs> win two wins, rounds or go two win, rounds? Win two rounds. Win two rounds. Oh, so you think they're going to the... ECF. Yep. That's what I think. Really? And I think Dubas keeps his job after that. And I think it's a fucking, it's a, after that, five, it's a five, shit show. And they're getting blitzed <laughs> in five games by the Rangers with Pat. Oh, there King you go. That's fine. Win Anko. two rounds. I'm happy as a Leafs fan. Win one round. I'll probably cry. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Leaf fans never change. <laughs>
And uh, with that said, that's a wrap for episode 36 of Box on Knox. Make sure to check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you're enjoying the podcast, drop a five-star review down for it and check out the other podcasts on showbile.com. And as Dave always says, if you can't be cool, be careful. And if you can't be good, be good at it.